Hello there, once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking El Camino de Santiago, as well as tips, tricks, and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. So to that end, in this episode, we are interviewing the host of the Camino Cafe, which takes place on Zoom every three weeks. It's Lee Brennan from the US of A, who walked the Camino Frances from Ocebrero to Santiago de Compostela just last autumn. So, Lee, we said in the pre-interview chat that about the Camino saving your life and giving you a new purpose in life. But before we get onto that deeper stuff, yeah. I'm going to let this plane go past overhead. <laughs> and... <laughs> Please take us back to the time and place where you first decided that you needed, you wanted, you were going to walk the Camino de Santiago and why. Okay. Well, first of all, Brad, thank you so much for inviting me to be on this podcast. It is my favorite. So uh, I listen all the time and I'm just honored to be able to talk with you today. Um, as far as the Camino, I was first introduced to it. I was teaching indoor cycling at a gym and one of my riders actually went on the Camino. And when she came back, I just saw such a change in her. And I was like, wow, what is this Camino about? And then a few years later, I saw the way like everybody. And once I saw the way I thought, oh, this is something that's going to be on my bucket list, you know, and um, I always envisioned it would be something I would do at retirement. So that was pretty much how I became aware of it. Now, the big question that I've got is what change did you see in your friend that made you want to do it? Wow, you know, she just came back uh, a calmer person, and um, she actually made a major career change after. And you could just see this light in her that was just something you're like, I want some of that. You know, it just, it was just so enticing. And you started in Ostebrero. I was trying to do my Spanish-sounding accent there. Ostebrero, <laughs> uh, where I live in Tenerife. They don't use that sound, so it's extra hard for me to get used to it. But why did you, so, you decide to start there? Um, which is, what did, you, did you fly in by helicopter? Because that's like the highest point. Or <laughs> how did you get there to start? That would have been easier, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I... Um... I found out about this tour um, that was going to be starting and what had happened, I was uh, suffering. I was uh, just in a really fragile state. I was at the uh, end of a major breakup of a marriage of over 20 years. And I had gone out to dinner with a girlfriend and she was trying to cheer me up. And we were talking about bucket list things and she brought up the Camino. And I'm like, oh, I always wanted to do that, but I envisioned that I'd be doing it, you know, in retirement with my husband someday. And, um, she's like, well, you should go now. And she's like, actually, I have this friend. She's a therapist and she's offering these pilgrimages um, with women, actually, that are going through major changes in their life. She's like, I can't believe I haven't told you about this. And I got so excited. I like, this sounds perfect. And so I went straight home, called um, the person that was running it and signed up right away. And over uh, the next couple of months, I think that was like in January, and so I didn't leave until September. So during that time frame, I almost canceled four times because I thought, well, this is not at all how I imagined my Camino would be. You know, I thought I'd be in this really great place and, you know, it would just be a fun thing to do. And instead, here I am, you know, and I'm, I'm this yogi who feels this deep shame that I'm, I'm in the middle of this awful breakup. And, you know, this doesn't sound like the right time, but um, my friends were like, no, 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 you got to go. And so anyway, um, 
this group actually started in Othe Preero and it seemed really perfect for me. Um, I had traveled a lot, but I had always traveled with my husband. And so this was like my first big trip on my own as a single person. And I think um, just being able to start with a group at this location kind of provided me some security that I thought I needed. Um, I still walked every day by myself, but it did provide me with an instantaneous Camino family along with the other pilgrims that I met along the way. So um, also, I think starting there is really auspicious in that the priest that is really given credit for revitalizing the Camino was actually the priest of that local church. And, you know, he's the one that I've been told is responsible for the yellow arrows. And so I think that we modern day pilgrims really benefit from the work that he did. So it was really, it felt really special to me to be able to start in that location. Just for anyone listening that may be looking for that kind of group support and that immediate Camino family that you got by starting with this tour, what was the name of the tour, the company? Uh, they're Soulful Travels. Soulful and, Travels. And, um, I'll send you a link for it. And um, the leader of that group, she actually just wrote a book. Uh, her name is Pam Cordano, and uh, she's just fantastic. Uh, so it was really great. And after I came back home from that, I decided that I wanted to do the very same thing and lead groups because uh, the Camino just provides such a transformation. And um, well, maybe we'll get to that later in the call, but I, I just think it's a fantastic opportunity. And I encourage anyone that's going through some type of life change to think about going on the Camino. Yeah, it's I think perfect. Be worth it. Mm. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect place to get the headspace and to... Clear out a lot of those cognitive cobwebs, for sure. Um, exactly. For sure, as well, if we could circle back to that at the end and put a kind of tie up our story or your story of the Camino, that would be, that would okay. be wonderful if you're comfortable to do that. Um, Absolutely. Now, I'm interested also to ask, specifically before we get into a few into the practicalities, what exactly... You found out about this priest that he went. He was the pioneer for the Yellow Arrows, or yeah. So he was. Um, he was originally the priest, I guess, in Syria, and then he got assigned uh, at the other church in Otebrero, and he um, was a scholar, and he started studying the Camino, and so. Uh, there's a lot of research out there today that says that he, in the 70s and early 80s, went around painting the yellow arrow because so much of the Camino at that point, um, it was confusing in which direction to go and the trails weren't very well marked. And so he kind of made it his mission for life to go out and do that. And um, he unfortunately passed away, I guess, at a pretty young age. Um, but I don't know. I just find it really fascinating that he did yeah. that. And I think, you know, we can all thank him because it's a lot easier to find our way with uh, all the work that he did. Well, if wherever he is, I'm sure he can feel our good positive energy. Thank you for painting those yellow arrows because there's yes. no better feeling than when you're walking along the Camino and you're not sure where you're going. You're worried you might <laughs> right? be lost. You're in the middle of a forest and you just see a yellow arrow on some rock. You're like... Yes. Hallelujah. We're okay. Exactly. That, right. Right. Yeah. You almost, one of my friends calls it uh, arrow fever, you know, the yellow arrow fever. Like you can't wait to see the next one to be sure you're on the right path. And mm. I was really grateful for them. It's like a, it's like um, when you get a, um, a notification on your phone or your computer or an email, it's like a notification that you're going that the right way and you get that same little, yeah. you get that same little shot of dopamine, you know, and it's, it's, 
<laughs> very unreasonably gratifying, I think. Um, so that priest, you have made a lot of people very, very happy, probably thousands of times throughout the Camino. So thank you so much for that. And thanks for the story. Um, I didn't know yeah, it originated no all the way up there in, uh, in El Cerberero. All right. Yeah. So um, it sounds like because you, you said that you just decided to start your own similar project, which is called? Uh, we are uh, Sacred Compass Journeys, and um, we will next year have tours. Uh, hopefully, if uh, Americans can visit the EU next year, we will have tours that will be in May and June, and again in October and November. Right. Well, I'll probe you for more details and contact, contact details about that at the end. But imagine you're yeah, going to go back with, uh, with Sacred Tours tomorrow. Um, sacred, sacred Tour. What was it? Sacred... Sacred Compass Tours. Sacred Compass Tours. Apologies, apologies. Sacred Compass no. Tours tomorrow. What would be the first three things on your kit list? Mm, okay. Uh, well, first of all, Vaseline for my feet. <laughs> so important. Uh, they really kept my feet in tip-top shape. Um, the next thing would be my therapy balls. And so every morning um, I roll out my feet, make sure that my feet are in tip-top condition. So I do a what you would call a pre-covery warm-up for my feet and my legs. And um, so the therapy ball, I think, is just worth its weight in gold. Um, so helpful at the end of the day because you can then come home and massage your feet. They're just perfect and they're very lightweight. And then the third thing um, that I carry that I found invaluable is I, in my yoga classes, I'm all the time giving quotes to people to inspire my students. And so I decided that I would do that on the Camino. And so I just made up a bunch of different quotes on little pieces of paper. And so throughout the day, as I would meet fellow pilgrims, I would give them the opportunity to pull out a quote out of my quote bag. And it was a great conversation starter. It helped me meet a lot of people. Um, but most importantly, I think there were a lot of times when I met people that were really tired, they needed that little extra dose of inspiration. And so they pull out a little quote and uh, they would just get this really big smile on their face and often tell me like, that was the thing that just made my day. You even really helped me go on. Um, so I feel like the Camino gives you so much as a pilgrim and it's nice to be able to give back to your fellow pilgrims while you're out there. Well, I love that. The Vaseline, lubricate the feet before and after at the end of the day. Um, I like the therapy balls and the word I got from you there more than anything that stuck out was pre-covery. So, yes. So yeah, great idea. Um, and I love the quote bag. I just love it. Yeah, I kind of became known as the quote lady. And so oh, I think, when I would see people like the next day, they were like, I want my quote, uh, you know, and so it was just really fun. I think you and my wife would get on very, very well because <laughs> for my birthday last year, my, my wife gave me a, a Brad's 365 quote jar. And uh, from, oh. from that jar, I have to take out a piece of paper every day and look at the quote. Um, so if I look at, I'm looking at it now and, um, here we go. Let's find out what just, just randomly what, what, oh, I love it. what yeah. what's in there. Let's pick this one out and it says, um, hang on a minute. That's, uh, ah, this is one of my quotes. Apparently, um, I need to okay. ring my mum in five minutes. That's because I talk to my mum uh, once a week. <laughs> uh, that wasn't, I love as, it. wasn't as inspirational as I was hoping, but anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, these. Yeah. And this one oh, is, uh, when you love and laugh abundantly, you live a beautiful life. That was, uh, one my wife wrote out there for me. So excellent. So, and 
any quotes to hand now that the one that stuck out for you um as far as the camino mm. yeah uh, the very the quote that always sticks out to me is the very first day um i met a pilgrim i was with a couple of other pilgrims and we met this pilgrim that was from germany and he was just really inspirational. He had lost something like 150 pounds before he started his walk. And he, he was just a walking inspiration himself. But as he got ready to leave us, he turned back and he said, you know, there's something that I want you girls to remember as you're starting your Camino. And, and we're like, okay, what? And he said, just remember on the Camino, you don't get what you seek. You get what you need. Hmm. And it was just a really great quote to hear before we started walking, you know, and because I think I thought I knew why I was going on the Camino and I, you know, we always think we know what we need, um, but I didn't at all. And the, th the very thing that I thought I was seeking was not what the Camino gave me. It gave me so much more. And so I think that quote just kind of opened up my mind, you know, to be open to what was going to happen versus trying to control my Camino. Hmm. And I think that will feed nicely into what we, the topic we were going to talk about to, to tie everything's up and, and complete the story of your, your Camino. So we'll definitely touch on that one at the end, but it's a lovely quote. And okay. thank, thanks for sharing. And I love your quote jar because we had um, a guy a couple of weeks ago from Liverpool, Chris Corbett, if you're listening, hello. Uh -huh. And he ended up becoming known as the lollipop man because yeah. he was running along the Camino, giving lollipops to everybody. He went past. So he was passing people because he didn't want to be rude as he was passing them. He gave them lollipops which I thought was just, uh, yeah. just gave me goosebumps of, yeah, of, of just life and people are nice, you know, and I think that's a, an amazing, an amazing thing to do. Such a simple gesture, but so powerful. So let's move on to maybe a mistake you made at the start, because you said you'd never done anything like this before, kind of been off on your own. Yeah. And, and it was very brave of you to do that, especially as it was, as you say, it said, such a fragile time in your life. So was there one mistake you made um, at the start that when you go again, you know not to do? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, which was kind of embarrassing because I live out in Salt Lake City and so I do a lot of mountain hiking out here. And I just wrongly assumed it was going to be really warm all the time. And so the first night that I arrived, you know, the, the evenings were very cool and the starts of the morning are quite cool um, because you're, you know, at a little bit of elevation even there. And um, so anyway, right away, I had to buy gloves and a buff. And, you know, even though I have so many of those uh, at home, I still had to buy them there in Spain. So I would definitely take those again. And then I would say another thing is not really brushing up on any basic Spanish. I wish that I just had a respect for all the people that serve all the pilgrims along the route, it would have been nice to have been able to converse a little bit more. So that's one of the things I'm working on right now. I just started taking Spanish lessons and I'm trying to, you know, I'll never be an expert, but trying to just learn a little bit of Spanish so I can communicate a little better. If you're learning some Spanish, is there a Spanish phrase or word you think would be especially useful for non-speaking Spanish pilgrims to, to know? Ah, Wow. Um, I think just the basic things that you're going to order to eat and just basic manners, you know, like just the most basic of things, like being able to say thank you and being able to ask questions and I don't know, being able to pronounce things also in the way that they should pre be pronounced in that area, yeah. which I find really challenging. 
Um, but it's embarrassing, you know, when you are trying to communicate with someone and you're just really just messing up every other word. Uh, so I don't really have a specific thing, but I think it's just basic manners and um, having uh, respect for the people that actually live there and make it possible for all of us to enjoy the Camino. Yeah, I think one thing that one little phrase that I've always found very useful and I've found, you know, and I live in I, I live in Spain. I'm not going to be living here for much longer, but um, is when you what you find on on the um, on the pilgrimage is the locals they tend to go over and above, above and beyond for you. And they do a lot for you. Yep. And the, just yeah. to express that thanks is there's just a phrase that's, that's muy amable, muy amable, which is, you know, very, very kind of you kind of thing. I mean, so muy amable. So it's like amable, really. It's the same in English. So muy amable. If anyone's listening, mm-hmm. put that, that to your mm-hmm. Duolingo stuff, muy amable, which means very kind of you. So, um, and, oh, I love that. And I guarantee you. you, you're going to be able to use it because, People really, really do go over and above to help you out, and and sometimes just that only that expression for me works. So, muy amable. All right, so learning Spanish from uh, a guy from East London doesn't happen very often, <laughs> but anyway, I love it. Um, so, muy amable, muy amable, muy amable, muy amable. Beautiful. Love it. I feel like I'm. Uh, I feel like we're having a little Spanish lesson here. So good stuff. <laughs> muy bien. So um, those are a few mistakes you said you make about bringing the gloves and the buff. So the moral of the story is, even though it is a warm country, even in summertime, it still can be cold, especially at altitude. So important to have the gloves, the buff and something warm to put on, especially at nighttime, early mornings. Um, Is there a favorite record alberg that you'd recommend that people stay at? You know, I really don't have um, an alberg to recommend because since I went with a larger group, all of our you know, guest houses were prearranged. So we stayed at these very modest, but, you know, very, very, uh, very nice um, places to spend the night as a pilgrim. But the one thing I would say is that I would encourage everyone to spend some time in Santiago. I I feel like so many pilgrims that I met along the way, uh, you know, it's kind of the end of the journey, obviously. And they tend to, a lot of people tend to go home maybe the very next day. And I just want to encourage everyone that if their budget allows to spend a few extra days in Santiago. I, I think it's a fantastic city on its own, but the vibe of the town with all the pilgrims coming in every day is just really uh, so amazing. And I think when you, for me and for a lot of my fellow pilgrims that I've spoken with since I've been back, when you arrive at that square, uh, there's so many overwhelming feelings that first time you walk and you see the cathedral and it's almost sometimes feels like too much to take in. And so I actually stayed a couple of extra days. I didn't know to do this, but I, I just happened to plan it that way. And so I stayed a few extra days and the benefit I got out of staying, uh, aside from going to all, the, to all the wonderful cafes and whatnot, is that being able to go and just sit and observe and watch other pilgrims coming in at the end of their pilgrimage was just amazing to watch. And also to be able to sit there and journal and process and, and just kind of think about everything that happened. I think when you finish a pilgrimage, there's so much that has happened for you and the transition of going back home it can be overwhelming. And so I think that extra time in Santiago can kind of give you a little bit of buffer space to process some stuff that you did before you actually go home. Mm, I would second that recommendation most definitely. It's uh, the vibe in Santiago is absolutely electric. 
and you could really feel the joy and of everyone coming in and those you know the random should I say when you're crossing paths with people that you didn't expect to see pilgrims you haven't seen in weeks and days yes. and yeah that those just impromptu reunions are, are just one of the best things about the the Camino as well um so you love Santiago was there a place along the way that you thought oh, I must recommend people stay there or if I went back to the Camino, I'd want to stay here for a night. Yeah. Uh, one place that I really loved um, along the way was um, this little ashram. I don't know if you stopped at it, but it reminded me of a like a yogish ashram and it's uh, Tara de Luz. And Tara de Luz just has this amazing vibe to it. It's um it's kind of got a yoga vibe to it, but it's it's run by a bunch of just really young pilgrims that kind of stopped along the way and are volunteering. And they are just incredibly kind. And just the energy that's there is just so uplifting. And it just really spoke to me. I stayed there, I think, probably about two and a half hours, just enjoying their company. They, they have refreshments that they serve. And at one point, they were playing a lot of music, and they all just kind of just started dancing in the courtyard. It was just a very magical experience. And had I been able to, I think I would have spent the night there. It was just wonderful. But you know, I, I already had a place to stay. And so I had to get back on, on the path. And as I walked out uh, over to the left-hand side, I noticed that they had built a labyrinth. And so I actually went out and did the labyrinth. And some of my fellow pilgrims were like, you're actually adding to your walk today. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm not going to pass a labyrinth up. But it was just a, a really magical place. So I, I would definitely recommend for people to stop there if they get a chance. Can you just uh, say the name again for me? Ta de Luz. Tara de Luz, yes. Okay, to add, do you, can you remember how to spell that exactly? Uh-huh, it's T-E-R-R-E. Right. Uh, second word, is, and then D-E, and then uh, L-U-Z. So that translates literally as land of lights. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, <laughs> Ter de Luz, make sure you stay there, because next time, if you went back, you're definitely going to stay there. So great recommendation there. Thank you very much. What about a favorite food or drink along the way that you'd recommend people must try? Oh, my gosh. So many things, right? Um, well, definitely the tortilla española I love. Um, croquetas, really good croquetas. they got to be good ones, right? Yeah. Um, not, not the prepackaged, but, you know, homemade croquetas are delicious. And, of course, all the vino. <laughs> Can't go wrong there. The croquetas are amazing. You know, sometimes you get them with cheese and ham. Sometimes you get them with yeah. tuna. Um, yeah, absolutely good stuff. So try that croquetas, definitely. And that's a, that's one we haven't heard for, for quite a while, actually. So thank you very much for that one as well. Okay, we're going to do a few Camino quickies, okay? So short, okay. sharp, sweet answers, and then we'll get right back to the main discussion. So have you got a favorite Camino blog or book? Uh, my favorite book would be A Furnace Full of God by Rebecca Scott. Furnace Full of God by Rebecca Scott. Favorite vlog or film? Mm, my favorite film right now is Phil's Camino. Phil's Camino. It's fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. Never heard of that one either. What oh, about wonderful. a favorite Facebook group and or forum? Uh, my favorite Facebook groups, I, um, I would say the one I have, which is Camino Cafe. I love that group. And then also, I am a, a big active member in Pilgrimage in Place, uh, which is ran by Annie O'Neill. Pilgrimage in Place and Camino Cafe. Look out for those ones. Beautiful. 
we've already talked about a favorite food and drink. So um, one thing you wished you'd packed. Mm. One thing I wished I would have packed. Oh, let me think for a second. Well, when I wished I had packed more Vaseline, I took a very small amount so I could just carry on, you know, all of my stuff on the plane. And so I ran out partway and had to get some more. Um, yes. Yeah, so I have a big one. So at that time, I carried a, a massage rolling stick. It's called a marshmallow stick, if you're familiar with uh, that type of tool. And it's kind of long. And so it was very difficult to put in my backpack every morning, but it was really popular any night that, you know, at the hotel, everybody wanted to borrow it. So when I came back from my Camino, I recognized how much uh, muscle and, um, and myofascial massage really helped my fellow pilgrims. And so I decided that I would go and get certified in that um, modality. And so I did that in January. And um, in the past, in my yoga classes, I did a lot of that, but I always use lacrosse balls or tennis balls. And when I attended this training, I found out that there's a much better product available. And I, I get nothing from this recommendation, but it's called a yoga tune-up ball. And the reason I recommend it is that it's kind of like if you imagine if you're doing yoga, it's not fun to do yoga on a slippery surface or a really hard surface you know you want to have a mat that's got a little bit of grip to it and you know gives you a little bit of pad and that's the same with these balls there's a tremendous difference between rolling out your feet on a lacrosse ball versus a yoga tune-up ball so i get nothing from doing that i'm just telling you i love them um so i definitely go out and get a uh this time i'll be taking my yoga tune-up balls when i go instead, instead of, of taking the a marshmallow, marshmallow stick. stick okay lovely yeah. good recommendation there as well one plate sorry sorry hardest part of the camino Mm, hardest part. Um, the hardest part for me, I think, was just the back-to-back, -back, you know, the back-to-back -back walking. Um, I think it, the Camino is very doable uh, for all fitness levels. You know, you, I, I certainly recommend some training and cross-training, of course. Um, but I think it's very doable. But I think what you really need to train for is that back-to-back -back train, you know, that back-to-back -back long walking. You know, the soles of the feet get very sore. Um, and most of us are not used to doing that type of back-to-back uh, -back, uh, mileage. So, to me, that was probably the hardest part. Um, a lot of people talk about the hills and everything, but I live out in Utah, so I train at altitude. So I think that came a little bit easier for me because of that. And I also trained doing a lot of stairs and steps. So um, I would recommend to people to make sure they do that if they live at lower altitudes. A guilty pleasure you carried with you. Guilty pleasure. I took <laughs> just one really lightweight nice outfit to wear it out to dinner occasionally it was the same one so everybody got to keep seeing the same one but it was just nice to get out of the hiking clothes some nights and to feel like you know feel clean and feel like you smelled good and so um yeah that was a guilty pleasure but you know it didn't weigh much but it certainly took a little bit of space in my bag good stuff okay so we're gonna get back to the main discussion now feel free to okay. dive into more detail be more elaborate with the stories um okay I want you to think about when you were on the Camino and, and not every day is full of highs. It's not all, way, it's not all glory. Um, a moment where you thought it's the hardest time for you. Could be mentally, could be physically and how you got through it. Yeah. Oh, I can think of one day particularly. Mm. I, I was super sad. I was um, you know, really sad about the breakup of my marriage and 
I started out the morning just um, sadder than usual and just kind of a lot of tears. And I just decided that that day I was going to dedicate it to stopping at every little church that was on the way and just kind of say a little prayer. And um, I did that. And um, it just so happened that that day, that stretch, there were a lot of places to stop. So it kind of became a big commitment. Um, but I did it. And uh, the weather was really bad that day. So, you know, it was really wet as I would walk in and I have to kind of dry off and, you know, take off my jacket and everything. So it was a little more effort to do it, but I just felt really drawn to doing it that day. And um, the things that happened as a result, I just got to tell you that day and the days following, uh, there were just so many moments where the Camino brought me across other pilgrims that just had the right message at the right time for me. And through them, I was able to hear that I was going to be okay, that my life could still have meaning, that I was going to be all right, that I could still feel that joy that was deep down inside of me, that had kind of been um, covered up through all the heartbreak. And um, I think my friends back in the U.S. were trying to tell me that, but I couldn't hear it. There was too much noise in my everyday life. And I think the Camino provided that container, that space where I was finally able to receive the messages that I had been needing to hear. And I feel like that day um, that my prayers were answered and that um, I kept being presented these pilgrims that were very different. They were, you know, it was a variety of people with a variety of stories, but they would share with me something about their story or some dose of inspiration or some hardship that they had recovered from or were dealing with. And it just gave me the the inspiration to continue on, not just on the Camino, but in my everyday life. So what, did somebody say to you that helped you to get through that? Can you remember the something that stood out? Yeah, um, I think one day, I, it was the next day, and um, I met somebody, and they were like, oh, you know, you're like, you just have this energy about you, this light, this joy. And I, I almost felt like laughing because I was like, what? Like, I haven't heard anybody say that. And then I, I suddenly realized that oh my gosh, like, I am spontaneously happy here. I do have my joy and my light back. And it was like this moment of recognition that um, all of that is still within me. But I I had lost sight of that. And all of my heartache, I forgot my innate happiness. Um, so that was the first thing. And then I think um, another pilgrim um, said to me that, you know, I know you feel all this heartbreak right now, but you will meet somebody. You, Your life is still of value and you have so much to live for. You just can't see it right now. And, you know, that was true. I think I was at that point where I just felt like I, I didn't know. I felt like giving up. I felt like everything I had worked for all these years, all the uh, inner work I had done, all of the uh, work of raising my daughter and getting to that point where I thought I was going to be this empty nester and we were just going to travel the world and be happy. Um, I couldn't see that there was going to be a different type of happiness for me. I didn't see that there was, you know, written for me a different, a different life for me and that I could still have great meaning. And 
that's really what this pilgrim, I think, was trying to communicate to me. And it, it just, it was so comforting to hear that and to know that I could still go on. So what you're saying is if you are trying to process something in your life, then the Camino provides that cathartic experience and, and the platform, the space for you to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and you've got to be open to that and ready to hear it. It may not always be the message you want to hear, right? Um, but it provides you that opportunity. And I, I just can't encourage people enough. If you've even felt an inkling to have that call to go to the Camino, go. And even if you don't think you have something to process, I guarantee that during that solitude of walking, things are going to be presented to you that maybe still need to be processed. Or if you are trying to work through a problem, it will give you that space and um, some of the answers that you're looking for. It doesn't end there. You know, the Camino and your pilgrimage still go on. Someone said to me once that Santiago is not the end. It's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that in my own life for sure. You know, it's not like you go and everything's perfect at the end of it, right? You still have stuff to process. And I think pilgrims, and I'm just speaking for myself, I know that I'm so attracted to going back because I'm like, oh, you know, I want to go back and keep processing new things that have come about or to continue to process the things that I was processing already back then. Yeah, I think it definitely provides that for you. I think it was Jack Canfield that wrote a book called was it Jack, Jack Cornfield, sorry, after the ecstasy, the laundry. And I think that sums, yes. that sums up the, the experience of, of Camino, of the Camino, doesn't it? So, yes, um, absolutely. Touching on that, how, how do you recommend pilgrims make a, a smooth transition back to civilian life after such a once in a lifetime, like you said yourself, bucket list adventure? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, you know, if you can, if you if your budget will allow, stay a couple of extra days in Santiago. And then, you know, I'm a big journaler. And so every day on the Camino, I would write down the top 15 things that I found interesting or uh, people I met or things that happened. And so that each night, you know, I've just jotted down real quickly. So I'd have this list of 15 things. And then at night, I would journal more about that maybe more in detail. And then on the airplane ride home, uh, if you have that time or the train ride, wherever you're headed back for home, I would just encourage everybody to journal a little bit more to just be introspective of what's occurred and to go slowly. Because I think when you arrive back mm. home, a lot of people want to hear about the pilgrimage. They kind of view it as a vacation, you know, and they want to hear this highlight all about this highlight reel of your trip. And I think when you get home, you're still processing so much of what happened. And so I would just encourage you to go really slowly and not share a whole lot in the very beginning, because I think you really need to get grounded again. And you need to really think about what you want to share. Um, there's a lot of very personal, intimate things that I think you learn about yourself. And, and not all of that necessarily needs to be shared or not be shared until you're ready. And so I think rather than coming home and just like pouring it all out, take your time. And also to remember that people who have never been on this pilgrimage don't really understand what goes on during a pilgrimage. And, you know, they think it's like this vacation you took, you know, and they just want to kind of hear a few highlights. And I know I have found a lot of comfort and friendship. I have made so many additional Camino family members since I've come back home because 
you know, you want to talk about it all the time, but you want to talk about it to people that have been there and have understood what you've experienced. While our experiences vary greatly, there is some commonalities that are very comforting to talk to fellow pilgrims. So I would encourage people to come back and stay in contact with the Camino family members that they made during their pilgrimage and to also just take it slowly when you're talking about it to people that haven't been because we want to encourage everyone to go and you don't want to make people feel forced. People will go when they're called to do it. And I think sometimes we come back and we're so enthusiastic and we're like, everybody's got to go in the Camino, you know, and I think that can kind of turn people off. Yeah, I was one of those, definitely. Yes. (laughs) People (laughs) were sick of me. Yeah, I know they were, but. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard hard to can your enthusiasm like that. But um, I, I like what you said about journaling as well, because I think, when you're on, I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I know from talking to other pilgrims through this interview that, and especially through the process of, of catharsis that we go through, we, that we've spoken about before, is that we can have lots of realizations. We can come face to face with our own foibles on the Camino. And, and when we do and when we journal, we get those out in the open and we can become intentional about maybe things we want to do more of things we want to do less of things we want to achieve and I, I know for my own for myself that when I walked the Camino on my own I came off really realizing how aloof I, I was and had been throughout my life and I'm not a shy yeah. I'm not a shy person but until I get the green light from someone to let me in I, I stand in the shadows and so I learned on my Camino how brilliant and how fun what a great feeling I got from being the first person to say hello and yeah that was my that was my one of my sounds silly but one of my developments that I was going to make after the Camino I wasn't going to wait to say hello I was going to be the person that went morning or how you doing or (laughs) all right lovely day that kind of stuff I wonder if there was something on your Camino that you could describe that you had something similar. And I guess we can now bring in the issues that you were that were playing on your mind, which we've spoken about throughout, because you said you were in a fragile state of mind. You, your life hadn't panned out as you wanted it to, as you saw it, as you'd envision, envisioned. So I wonder if we can tie it in with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so many things, but probably the one and you know, I would say this, I think sometimes when we come back from a pilgrimage, um, we see these things about ourselves and we recognize that we need to make some changes maybe in habits or behaviors or whatever. And we're eager to do that. And I, I think we have to take that slowly because these, these things are sometimes things that take time. They're, they're big things. This transformation is big. And so one of the things that I noticed about myself is that, and I'm still working on this, is surrendering and I think the Camino teaches you to surrender and to accept what is and that is something that I still have to work on on a daily basis I think I have a tendency that I want to control things you know I I wanted my Camino to look a certain way I wanted the weather to be a certain way I wanted um my fitness, you know, you name it. I wanted it to be and look a certain way. And I want my life to be like that. And so the Camino taught me that, you know, it's going to rain when it rains. <laughs> it's going to, you know, the day that you're most tired is your hilliest day. 
and there's no choice. You got to keep pressing forward. And it's really up to you to either surrender to that and to accept it and to deal with it in the best way possible. And I think I, I've learned about myself that I have a tendency to resist what is, and I kind of let my essence suffer from that. You know, I let my energy kind of decrease and my light kind of gets dulled because I'm resisting so much. And I've learned about myself that when I just go with the flow, which is, you know, a lot of what yoga is about is going with the flow and accepting reality. And when I can do that, my light shines through. I'm a happier person. I'm better to be around. And I think there's nothing more than a pilgrimage that shows you that lesson every single day because you're faced with things not as you necessarily want them to be. And that's the beauty in it. You know, I've had people say to me, well, you live in Utah, you can hike anytime you want. You live in the mountains. And and that's absolutely true. But there's something about those back-to-back days. And there's something about um, those back-to-back walks and doing it not for fitness or adventure or whatever, but doing it for the sake of pilgrimage that's a transformation that you can't find on a, you know, one day hike out here in the mountains. No, um, those no. are great, but it doesn't compare to a pilgrimage I've, I mean, and the challenges yeah. that you're faced with. I mean, I, li- I like what you said there as well, because what you said about going with the flow and surrendering, it, it does actually tie in with your quote, what you said that you said earlier on, which was about not getting what you want, but what you need. So it might not necessarily be what your preconceived idea was, but actually somewhere out there in the cosmos, there's a greater plan for you and you just have to trust and surrender to that, I guess. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Just to finish on a positive, I wonder if you can recall a funny, inspiring or quirky moment or encounter that embodies everything that's good about the Camino, that after listening Ah. to this story or this experience or this encounter, that they're going to be like, that is what I need to do. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is I was walking one day by myself and up ahead of me, there were three guys. And the closer I kept getting to them, I was gaining speed on them. And the closer I was getting to them, they were were just making my day because they were singing all these songs and they were just just having a really great time. And so I finally caught up to them. And when they realized I was behind them, they got super embarrassed because I mean, they were singing so loudly and I just started laughing with them and told them I was just enjoying it. And so we got to talking and before long, uh, we walked several miles together and we started singing songs together. And so at one point, um, the three guys, it was a dad and his two grown sons. And they, uh, the dad was originally from Puerto Rico and uh, they lived in New York for a long time. And they had recently moved to North Carolina. And this was like a big bucket thing for them to be on this Camino with their dad and, you know, the two sons. And so at one point we started singing that song, I'm going to be by the proclaimers. And so the dad's like, stop, stop, stop. I want to record you guys. I want to video, video you guys doing this. So Uh, His two sons and I started walking and singing and dancing and singing the song as we're just walking. And it was just this glorious moment on the Camino. um, And I'll get to what it represented in a moment. And so anyway, finally, I started looking at the time. and I'm like, I got to get on. You know, I'm going to miss where I need to be uh, later this evening. And so 
Uh, I told him I was going to walk ahead. And so they said, well, let us serenade you on your way. And I said, okay, great. And so they picked out a song. They said, we want to see, we're going to think about what song. And so they talked for a few moments and then they decided to sing this song. I think it's by Alphaville and it's called Forever Young. And so the two sons um, serenaded me with this song. So they were playing it on their phone and they were singing and um, I just walked on my way and it was just this most joyful moment. And afterwards I got to thinking, you know, if I had met these guys at a local Starbucks, we would have never spoken to one another. You know, we might've said a polite excuse me or hello or whatever, but we had these most, um, you know, we shared our stories, we're singing with each other. I would never do that at a Starbucks or out on a trail here in Utah. But here I was on the Camino doing this, and it was this deep connection that happened. And I say this story because I feel like that's what happened time and time again out on the trail, or even sometimes, you know, when you would meet up with people at a cafe during the day, is that um, particularly on the Camino, when you're walking, you're, you're walking side by side, and it just provides this this container, this safe feeling that you can share your story, that you can say hi to people. And I think that we as pilgrims, we're, we're our best selves a lot of times out there. All of the stress of our everyday regular life has kind of been stripped away, and we're just who we naturally are. And we're naturally really kind people. Everybody deep down, I think, has this basic innate goodness in them. And I think it's so easy to recognize that in your fellow pilgrims. And I think they recognize that in you. And it's not something that we can't do in our regular life. I, I think we shouldn't do that all the time. But when you're there on the Camino, it seems easier to see that. And so I'm trying to do that in my everyday life as well. I probably, I'll never break out in Psalm at Starbucks, but I am trying to recognize that more and to be more vulnerable and to share the stories. You know, I think in my past, I would not have wanted to share my heartbreak with everybody. I would want to be like, oh, no, 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 everything's okay. My life is great. Everything's fine. Um, but I've learned in the last year that by sharing my story, that helps bring healing to other people um, because it allows them to share their story. And in that, it's through our stories, I think, that we all heal from heartache or whatever problems we're going through. So, um, yeah, I think that's a story that really illustrates and it happened over and over again. I can remember dancing to Rock Lobster at a really crowded little cafe where pilgrims had stopped to get a cold drink. And all of a sudden on their loudspeakers, Rock Lobster comes on and all of a sudden we're all dancing to it. And we're, you know, doing the part where you kind of uh, shimmy down at the, you know, that one part in the song. And it was just this really joyful moment of community and connection. And that just happened over and over again. And I, I loved it. And I think it's what draws us back. It's what... Uh, has drawn me to start a Facebook community where we have those monthly Zoom calls because as an adult, I think it's hard to find community. I think I had that, you know, when my daughter was younger and we would be in play groups and I was with other young moms who had little kids and it was easy to find that commonality. And, but as she grew older, I felt like it was harder and harder to find that, you know, I find that in yoga. Um, but other than that, I don't find that a lot with other adults. It's hard. I was challenging, I think, sometimes to make friends as adults. And so I feel like the Camino provided me this community that continues beyond my pilgrimage. And, 
you know, it makes me want to go back and continue making more and more friends that are part of this great community. Thank you very much for that lovely story and sharing all of those songs you sang. And that is the Camino magic at work right there. Like you said, people that ordinarily wouldn't even make eye contact. All of a sudden they're walking along the plains of Spain singing Forever Young and uh, the Proclaimers together. Um, Yes, absolutely. Did you join in with them or was it just you, uh, you were being serenaded the whole way? Oh, yeah. I didn't sing. I don't think I sang Forever Young. I think I was pretty much in tears most of that uh, out right. of joy. Okay. Right? Just turning back and I was filming. So I was walking backwards, videotaping it, you know, videotaping that sounds so Oh, just videoing it. And um, yeah, it was just this magical moment. And um, but yeah, we, we all three sang uh, the Proclaimers. So <laughs> Very dad, loudly. dad and two sons in North Carolina. Can, can you remember their names? Did you get their names? Well, here's the craziest thing of all. Out of all the pilgrims that I met, I did not get their contact information. And so I actually put it on my on my Instagram page, and I'm hoping someday to find them because they were so pivotal, but so far, no luck. So if they're listening, I hope they will look me up. A Yogi on the Camino is my Instagram page. Um, I want to say thank you to them because I never saw them again. And that's one thing I would like to recommend to everyone is to make sure as you're meeting fellow pilgrims to get their contact information because I think the first couple of days – you just kind of see the same people over and over again. And so I started thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll see them later tonight, you know, when we all stop for the night. But that didn't always happen because sometimes people press on or they are going slower or faster than you or, you know, something changes in their itinerary and you never see them again. So I encourage everyone to, you know, maybe have, you know, a little little card or something that you're carrying so you can quickly exchange information and that way you don't lose track of people. So they are the only people that I haven't been able to track down. So I hope that they are listeners of your show and that I I get to talk to them again. So dad and two sons in North Carolina, where you are now, thanks for serenading Lee Brennan. And uh, (laughs) if you're around, get in contact. We'd love to have you on and sing a song with you too. Um, So where can the listeners find your all your Camino activities tell us how to keep in contact with you okay so on Instagram I'm a yogi on the Camino I also have a Facebook page but I'm more active on Instagram and then also uh, for if anyone is interested if they're going through some challenges in life and would like to take a pilgrimage with a group uh, they can look up sacred sacred compass journeys and that's our website and we also have a Facebook page uh, you can also find me on LeeBrennan.com. That's my yoga page. And also this September, I will be offering different uh, online yoga classes and just tips and different things for morning rituals and evening rituals to help everyone stay healthy while they're out on pilgrimage. So I'm hoping that while people are out, if they do have uh, their phone and they want some um, support, each morning, each night, they'll be able to look at my Instagram page or my Facebook page and just have free access to different techniques uh, for rolling or different yoga poses that they can use and just daily inspiration while they're on their pilgrimage. Lee Brennan, thank you so much for this wonderful interview, for the stories, for the recommendations, for being so brave as well, and for letting (laughs) myself and all the listeners in to know so deeply about your pilgrimage and, and 
I'm really, you know, inspired to see that you've gone from a pain point to, I think, who's it? Dean Graciosi says, make your mess your message. And you've done that. And, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it's inspiring. So thank you very much for that inspiration. Well, thank you, Brad. I, I want to thank you for the work you do with your podcast. I listen all the time. And I think I know for me and for other pilgrims, it's such a comfort. It's so fun to listen to hear to listen to other people's stories. And you provide a real service out there, I think, to the Camino uh, community. So thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for allowing me to just come on and tell a little bit about my story. I really appreciate your time. It's an absolute pleasure, Anna Nonali, and I just wanted to put this on my phone. I don't know if you can hear that. I think that's Forever oh. Young. Forever Young, I love it. My wife has got an imaginary candle in her hand at the moment, so I thought oh, I'd just... thank you. I have chills, Brad. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Uh-uh. Yes, you're young. Brad. young. <laughs> I actually can sing a little bit better than that. Um, so I, I've just sung to you, Lisa. You've got to finish by singing 500 miles to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Let me see if I can cue it up. When I wake up. I was just, oh, well, I was just I know listening I'm to it this be, morning. I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. Two, three, four. Here and we I, go. Can you hear it? I can hear it loud and clear. Oh, I know I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the man who comes home next to you. Something like that. No. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the man that wakes up next to you. If I heave And up. then I think it goes on. I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more to be the man that would walk 1,000 miles to be right next to you. Beautiful. Well, the next time you walk 500 miles, I want to wish you ultraya. Thank you so much, Lee. Oh, well, Camino, thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate your time.